0: So Numbers 13, beginning in 17, is where we will be. But first, like I said, we're going to read uh, William Booth's Booth's vision, and uh, uh, we're going to begin there. And his vision starts out, it says, uh, this this is his word speaking, it says, on one of my recent journeys, as I gazed from the coach window, I was led into a train of thought concerning the condition of the multitudes around me. They were living carelessly in the most open and shameless rebellion against God. Without a thought for their their eternal welfare, as I looked out of the window, I seemed to see them all, millions of people all around me, given up to their drink and their pleasures and their dancing and their music, their business and their anxieties, uh, their politics and their troubles, ignorant, willfully ignorant in many cases, and in other instances, knowing all about the truth and not caring at all, but all of them, the whole mass of them, sweeping on and up in their blasphemies and devilries to the throne of God. While my mind uh, was thus engaged, I had a vision. I saw a dark and stormy ocean over it, the black clouds hung heavily. Through them every now and then vivid lightning flashing and loud thunder rolled. While the winds moaned and the waves rose and foamed, towered and broke, only to rise and foam, tower and break again. In that ocean I thought I, was, I saw myriads uh, of poor human beings uh, plunging and floating, shouting and shrieking, cursing and struggling and drowning. And as they uh, cursed and screamed, they rose and shrieked again. And then some sank to rise no more. And as I, and, and I saw out of this dark, angry ocean A mighty rock that rose up with its summit towering high above the black clouds that overhung the stormy sea. And all around the base of this great rock I saw a vast platform. Under this platform I saw with delight a number of poor struggling drowning wretches continually uh, climbing out of the angry ocean. And I saw that a few of those who were already safe on the platform were helping the poor creatures still in the angry waters. Uh, helping them to reach the place of safety, on looking more closely, I found a number of those who had been rescued uh, had been rescued, working and scheme, uh, scheming by ladders, ropes, boats, and other means more effective to deliver the poor strugglers out of the sea. Here and there were some who uh, here and there were some who actually jumped into the water regardless of the consequences, in their passion to rescue the perishing. And I, hardly, and I hardly know which gladdened me the most, the sight of the poor drowning people climbing onto the rocks, reaching a place of safety, or the devotion and self-sacrifice of those, who being, uh, those whose whole being was wrapped up in the effort for their deliverance. As I looked on, I saw that the occupants of the platform were quite a mixed company, This is that they were divided into different sets or classes, and they occupied themselves with different pleasures and employments, but only a very few of them seemed to make it their business to get the people out of the sea. But what puzzled me most was the fact that through all of them had been rescued at one time or another from the ocean. Nearly everyone seemed to have forgotten all about it. Anyway, it seemed that the memory of its darkness and danger no longer troubled them at all, And what seemed equally strange and perplexing to me was that these people did not even seem to have any care that is is any uh, agonizing care about the poor perishing ones who were struggling and drowning right before their very eyes, many of whom uh, were their own husbands and wives, brothers and sisters, and even their own children. Now this astonishing, uh, unconcerned, now this astonishing uh, unconcern could not have been the result of ignorance or lack of knowledge because they lived right there in the full sight of it all. And even talked about it sometimes. Many even went regular, regularly to hear lectures and sermons in which the awful state of these poor drowning creatures was described. I have always said that the occupants of this platform were engaged in different uh, pursuits and pastimes, some of them were absorbed day and night in trading and in business in order to make gain, storing up their savings in boxes, safes, and the like. Many spent their time in amusing themselves with growing flowers on the side of the rock, others in painting pieces of cloth or playing music, or in dressing themselves up in different styles and walking about to be admired. Some occupied themselves chiefly in eating and drinking. Others were taken up with arguing about the poor drowning creatures that had already been rescued. But the thing to me that seemed the most amazing was that those on the platform to whom he called, uh, to whom he called, who heard his voice and felt that they ought to obey it, at least they said they did, those who confessed to love him much were in full sympathy with uh, with him in the task he had undertaken who worshipped him uh, or who professed to do so were so taken up with their trades and professions, their money, saving uh, and pleasures, their families and circles, their religions and arguments about it, and their perpetuation for the going to the mainland, that they did not listen to the cry that came to them from the wonderful being who had himself gone down into the sea. Anyway, if if they heard it they did not heed it. They did not care. And so the multitude went on right before them, struggling and shrieking and drowning in darkness. And then I saw something that seemed to seemed to me even more strange than anything that, I, that had gone on before. In this strange vision, I saw that some of these people on the platform, who this wonderful being had called to, wanting them to come and help him in his difficult task of saving these perishing creatures, we were also praying and crying out to him to come to them. Some wanted him to come and stay with them and spend his time and strength in making them happier. Others wanted him to come and take away various doubts and misgivings. They had take away many doubts and misgivings they had concerning the truth of some letters he had written for them. Some wanted him to come and make them feel more secure on the rock so secure that they, would not, that they would be quite sure that they should never slip off again into the ocean. Numbers of others wanted him to make them feel quite certain that they would really get off the rock and onto the mainland someday. Because, as a matter of fact, it was well known that some had walked so carelessly as to lose their footing and had fallen back again into the stormy waters. So these people used to meet... Uh, used to meet and get up as high on the rock as they could, and looking towards the mainland where they thought the great being was, they would cry out, Come to us, come and help us. And all the while he was down uh, by his spirit among the poor struggling, drowning creatures in the angry deep with his arms around them trying to drag them out and looking up uh, so longingly but in vain to those on the rock, crying to them with his, loud vo- uh, with his voice, all hoarse from calling, come to me, come and help. So this is, uh, like I said, William Booth's uh, vision that he had. And to kind of go through and explain a little bit of it, uh, to make it more clear, is that when he seen that ocean and seen the people drowning, he was relating to people that are lost in sin, that don't know Christ, right? And that rock that the people had come to and had been uh, was able to climb up to, obviously, is the image of Christ. Is that because Christ is the rock, and that that's what gave them their refuge, what saved them from that, and uh, the great being obviously that they were crying out to was God Himself, and then the one in the water was the Spirit of God, the one in the water that was trying to save people. But what he's seen was is something very powerful that I believe that we can look and examine ourselves. We can examine ourselves and what we're doing. And, and, and where we are with Christ. Because what he's pointing out is that it seems as though in this vision that there's a great multitude of people that are, have received this salvation, that have found this rock, climbed up on it, and are enjoying their safety while multitudes of people around them are still drowning, are still crying out for help, still trying to find something to rescue them. And yet they're more concerned about their business They're more concerned about the things that they enjoy. They're eating, they're drinking, they're enjoying themselves. And some of these people are even crying out to God, crying out to that being that, please come to us, help us in our situation, come and and bring us to that mainland. And they're crying out. They desire to know God sincerely, but they're neglecting the people that are still in that water. And that's where the spirit was. The spirit of the great being was in that water trying to rescue So while they were crying out for help, the the help was in the water. They didn't understand what they were seeking. So we we want to examine that, we examine ourselves based on that. And we can examine the church as a whole, and we can see that we as a body have found ourselves, can find ourselves in a situation to where we are more focused. On our lives more focused on our business, more focused on, on our, our jobs, our, our relationships, uh, the things that make us happy than we are focusing on helping those that are still lost helping those that are drowning in that sea that don't know Christ that are consumed by their lusts that are consumed by their passions and are wanting to be rescued and the neglect of the people uh, that have already saved that already have that salvation, because they 're more focused on themselves uh, that 's a very clear indication of who we can become uh, in Christ because we we want him to do great things for us, right we, we want him to help us, we fall short in our lives, we want him to come to us and, and show us great things, give us great revelations, help us through this life, and yet we continue to forget all about the fact that there was a time whenever we were uh, lost in despair, that we were depressed, we couldn't find anything that pleased us. Everything that we went to, any drugs or alcohol or or whatever the case may be, business, money, whatever it might have been, that we ran to to try to receive fulfillment, we were left empty knowing that there's something more, desiring something more. I know... uh, uh, Particularly, I know somebody that has uh, recently gotten a year older. Who cares, you know? But uh, anyway, this is devastating. It seems to be pretty devastating. They won't really admit it, but they've in a roundabout kind of admitted that it's getting kind of hard because they're getting older and their life is drawing shorter, right? But in Christ, we don't have that concern. Right, because we are lifted up, we've we've come to a point to where we're not focused on this life, because all that all that you can see, if you're looking at your life, a person that looks at their life and is concerned about the end of it is probably more concerned that they don't have enough time to do the stuff that they want to do. Right? Why else would you be concerned about getting old if you were not concerned about, uh, unless you were concerned. About not being able to do all this stuff that you thought you'd want to do. Or maybe you've done it all and then you're just sitting around waiting to die. That, that's the despair that people live in. I mean, think about how hopeless it would be. Or maybe, maybe you know how hopeless it would be. Uh, to sit around knowing that you've accomplished what you want to accomplish. Or knowing that what you want to accomplish is not going to fulfill you and make you happy. So basically you're just waiting around to die. Because have you, have you ever heard, about, uh, heard of the example of uh, life being like living in a fishbowl because that goldfish just makes circles all day, every day? Well, that same circle can let you in on a little secret. <laughs> happens day to day with people. They wake up, they go to work, they go home, they wake up, they go to work, they go home. That is a person's life. Without Christ, that is life. That you go, you you earn your living, you do your tasks, you go home, go to sleep, you wake up. How endless and pointless is that? How can you find fulfillment in any of that? So people will leave and go try to do these great things on weekends. They'll go and get all drunk, get all uh, shoot up with drugs, anything that they want to do to try to relieve the pain of this endless circle that seems so pointless. And that's the people that are in that water. And when we come to know Christ, we realize that there is a greater purpose for our life than just doing circles. That Christ has came so that we can have fellowship with God. We were created to have fellowship with God. That was God's intention. He wanted us to walk with Him, talk with Him. He wanted to give us... uh, great blessings he wanted us to live in a paradise he just wanted somebody to be with somebody to to care about to care about him to to love on and that was his whole purpose for creating us and he didn't want somebody that was just robotic that's just going to do everything he wants he wanted it to be free choice i mean what kind of love is it if they're forced to love you. That's that's not love. So that's not what God wants. So he created us. Uh, and we have the choice to love. Him. We have the choice to walk towards. Him. And then whenever we do. We realize that our whole being. Is to be in fellowship with God. Is to be service to God. It actually has a purpose now. It actually has a great purpose. And while we're still here on this earth. Our purpose. More specifically. And more. Uh, Uh, currently uh the current purpose for us is to spread the gospel to those that are still drowning in that that are still uh still condemned still uh struggling with their situation that is our purpose and then the the other group of people that he talks about on there are the people that are throwing ropes and throwing ladders and and uh or, or making ladders and, and trying to help people, even jumping into the water to try to save them. And these people are trying to do the work that the spirit of the great being, that the story that the vision's talking about, is wanting. Because that spirit, which is representing the spirit of God, is in the midst of those people trying to pull them out of the water. And he's calling for help. He's calling for people to come help those that are already saved on the rock to come and help him get those people out of that water. And there's only a small few that are choosing to jump in that water, choosing to throw ropes to actually help him. Even though there's a great multitude that are on the rock, still saved, there's only a few that are choosing to actually perform the work, right? That are actually choosing to do the deed that uh, he's called them to. So that's where we're going to uh, jump over to Numbers Chapter Thirteen. We're going to start in verse seventeen, and uh, so it says, "And Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan." This is talking about the, uh, I believe it was twelve spies. Uh, that is, is who he's talking about. He sent them to spy out the land of Canaan, and said unto them, "Get ye up this way southward, and go up into the mountains, and see the land, what with it, uh, with what it is." Sorry, and the people that dwell. See what the land is and the people that dwell therein, whether they be strong or weak, few or many, and what the land is that they dwell in, whether it be good or bad, and what cities they be that they dwell in, whether in tents or in strongholds. And what the land is, whether it be fat or lean, whether there be wood therein or not, and be of good courage and bring of the fruit of the land, now the time was the time of the first uh, first ripe grapes. So they went up and searched the land from the wilderness of Zin unto Rahab. As men came to uh, Hamath, I guess, and they ascended, the, they ascended by the south and came into Hebron where uh, Aham, Haman and Shishai and uh, Talamai, and the children of Anak uh, were. That's a lot of words I can't say. Now Hebron was built seven years before Zoan in Egypt. And they came unto the brook of Ishkel and cut down from hence a branch with one cluster of grapes, and they bare it between two upon a staff. And they brought of the pomegranates and of the figs. And the place was called the brook of Eshkol, uh, because of the cluster of grapes which the children of Israel cut down from them. And they returned from the searching of the land after forty days. And they went and came to Moses and to Aaron and to all the congregation of the children of Israel under the wilderness of Paran to Kadesh, and brought back word unto them and unto all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. And they told him and said, We came unto the land, whither thou sinnest, and surely it floweth with milk and honey, and this is the fruit of it. Nevertheless the people be strong that dwell of the land, and the cities are walled and very great. And moreover we saw the children of Anak there, and the Amalekites dwell in the land of the south, and the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites uh, dwell in the mountains, and the Canaanites dwell in the sea and by the coast of Jordan. And Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, "Let us go up at once and possess it, for we are uh, for we are well able to overcome it." But the men that went up with him said, "Be not able; uh, we be not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we, and they." They brought up an evil report of the land which they had searched uh, unto the children of Israel, saying, The land through which we have gone to search is a land that eateth up the inhabitants thereof, and all the people that we saw in it are men of great stature. And there we saw the giants of the sons of Anak, which came of the giants. And we were in our own sight as grasshoppers, and so we were in their sight. Anyway, so this is uh, the story here. If you're familiar with it, they sent the spies into the land to spy out the promised land that God had given the children of Israel as they came out of the land of Egypt. This, is the, this was the land that uh, God had given them, told them about, told them to go to, and they uh, sent spies in there to see what it was about. And they brought back some fruits of the land and uh, they first said, everything's great, but the people there are huge. The problems there are great. Uh, they, the people are not, we're not going to be able to defeat these people. But there was one, that, uh, Caleb, that said uh, that we are well able to possess it. And then after he said that, they said, you know what? The land's not even good. The land's going to consume you. You cannot survive in that land. It's just going to destroy us and turn the people away. And uh, as we know, uh, as if you're familiar with the story after that, God sent them back into the wilderness for 40 years said that this generation will not see the promised land. They will not receive the, uh, the promised land because of their uh, disobedience here. They were not willing to go into that land and possess it. So God sent them back out into the wilderness and they stayed there for 40 years until that generation died. Except for Caleb and Joshua. So, uh, what we see here is the same thing that's going on in that vision. Uh, A similar thing. A similar contrast to what happened in that vision. These uh, men went out to this land and they said, this is great. Everything that was promised is there. But when they came back, they said that the men there are too big. They're too powerful. They're too strong. Uh, they. Uh, so what? What are we going to? Uh, how are we going to compare that to to now? And that's that uh, we see this life. That we see this situation in our churches to where we have great multitudes of people that are obviously on this journey, like in that vision to the mainland. We're on a journey. We want to obtain the promises of God. We want to obtain heaven. We want to operate in the fullness of God. But whenever He brings us to a position that uh, we're going to have to trust in Him and step out in faith, most people are so focused on themselves, so focused on their own desires, that if it risks anything against my well-being, I'm not going to attempt it because I don't want to go that route. I want it to just be simple. I want it to be easy. I want it to be all about me and not about the others. And that's whenever we come to, we can see that in in the church, that there's so few people willing to dedicate all to go out and bring multitudes in. There's so few people that are willing to even throw ropes or build ladders or or jump into that water to save the people that are lost uh, because... There is a report of other people that are saying, no, it's too hard. The people out there are too great. They're too strong. The, the opposition will destroy us, and you just cannot survive. They, they don't want to hear it. They don't want to receive you. The, you cannot do that. And then whenever, uh, whenever a Caleb stands up and says, no, we can take this land. We are capable. We can take over. We can go out and save souls. We can devote our lives to bringing people in. It is possible. We can achieve it. Then the people, just like in this, they will return and say, but you, the land will consume you. Financially, you won't be able to, to walk in this. You won't be able to rely on the provisions of God because you, it'll eat you up. Like they were saying that this land, they lied and said that the land just consumes the people that it's not inhabitable, that it's just going to destroy them. And that's where we need to realize is that we have to trust in the provision of God. In order to, uh, to bring people in, we must trust in the provision of God because we can't simply just... Uh, uh, we can't not trust the provision of God because we'll end up like the people that are sitting up on the rock, only focused on myself, only focused on on what I can do For myself only focused on what God can do for me and not focused on how am I going to save these souls? Because if we if we don't trust God to provide for us, then you will not have any missionaries. If you do not trust God to provide for you, you won't have any evangelists. You don't trust God to provide for you. You won't have any pastors. You will not see a move of God. You will not see souls being saved because people are not trusting in that. They're trusting in the report of the other spies of the other people that are saying, listen, we know all about this. We know how this works. We know these people are huge. We cannot overcome this opposition. That is the biggest thing that holds people back. Uh, Even for y'all being in school, uh, the people that you come in contact with, family, whatever it is, that same thought comes to your mind that I'm not capable, that I'm, I'm either too young or I don't know enough about it, I'm not capable of leading these people to Christ because of this, whatever it may be, because of these giants, whatever they may be, wherever it came from. But the reality is, is that if we simply trust God, because that's what Caleb had done. He walked. He just simply knew God was going to hand that land to him because God promised it to him. God said, this is your land. This is I've provided it for you. You simply just walk in and take it and it's yours but because of fear, because people were afraid they were going to lose what they had, because people were afraid to jump off of that rock to save people, afraid that they would get sucked back in, or whatever the case may be, or lose some riches, or lose some of their uh, provisions that they had. They were terrified to actually do the work that they were called to do. They were terrified to do anything but just set in their own salvation. And we can see that in our church. We can see a lot of people that are happy in their salvation sitting and not doing anything to increase the kingdom of God. Not willing to trust God. Not willing to step out and be an evangelist. Trusting that God will provide for them. Not willing to stand out and be a missionary uh, and, and rely on the provisions of God to, to minister to people that they don't even know. To, to come in contact with people that they would never have come in contact before. And it's that fear that will cause people to drown in that water, right? It's that fear that will, uh, whenever you and I fear to step out in faith, people go to hell. That's the reality of it. People do not hear, uh, hear about Christ, and they go to hell because we are unwilling to step out and trust God. Because we hear somebody say, you can't be, it can't be done. It's impossible. We don't have enough money. We don't have enough resources. We don't have enough this or that, whatever the case may be. And then we, okay, well, you, you know, you're right. I don't really want to sacrifice everything. And if, if, if God's not going to provide for me, then I don't want to step out. I'm not going to step out. If, if God's not going to honor me witnessing to that person at school or at work or whatever it is, then I'm not going to step out. I don't want to look stupid. This is, the, this is the mentality that we get. This is the report that we're given is that it's not going to work. What good is it for me to tell my cousin or whatever whoever it may be that doesn't know Christ that, listen, all that alcohol is not satisfying you. Jesus can satisfy you. But there'll be something in your head that'll say, no, He's not, he or she's not going to listen. They're just going to keep doing, and then you're just going to look stupid. They're going to make fun of you, and it's going to be this big, horrible problem. And every time I see them, they're going to make fun of me, and it's just, it's not going to profit me in any way. Well, that's what those people standing on that rock, focused on themselves, were concerned about. We need to be more like a Caleb. We need to be more like those that were willing to jump into the water, that were willing to throw the ropes out, willing to step out in faith and believe God will provide no matter where He sends us. If He sends us to a family member, knowing that God will give us the words to speak, that will pre- prepare that person's heart to receive what you have to say. Uh, the person at school or whatever it is, the uh, or whoever it may be, wherever it may be, at work, that God will have prepared their heart, prepared you to speak the words in that moment, to minister life to them, to drag them a little bit closer, if nothing else, to drag them closer to that rock. We must trust that God has that provision, that God has that power, that God will perform that. Otherwise, we will just sit there, enjoy our salvation, while hundreds and thousands of people around us drown and end up in hell for all eternity. That is the calling that Christ has given us. That is the purpose of our life here, is to drag people, literally drag people out of hell. That is our that is our calling. And when you understand that that's what it is, you realize that this life is not pointless. This life is not useless. This life is not even boring. But it's amazing that it's... Uh, Profound that we don't have enough time to be sitting around trying to build up a retirement plan, but to focus on the kingdom of God. It, that's the one thing that you'll hear a lot. I'm going to have to wrap it up, but you'll hear a lot. Everybody wants you to have a retirement plan. Everybody wants you to save money. That's good. I'm not saying not to. But if that is just dis- pulling you from investing in the kingdom of God, you're not doing your, you're not doing your uh, purpose. You're not using the resources that God has given you correctly. He wants you to invest in the kingdom of God through tithes and offering. That's the whole purpose of giving to the house of God is so that the gospel may spread.